the Ripon Society and what you guys, what you all do here uh, to really further civility, uh, I want to say thank you because it allows people like Derek and me to be able to have others back us up when we say, no, let's just not always fight about things out here. Let's actually work to get things done. And I got a little cheat sheet here. Thank you, David. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to thank Derek right now before as chairman of the new select committee on uh, modernization of Congress that he gets rid of the seniority by alphabetical order of last name. <laughs> first thing, first things first. Step one. Yeah. You know, usually I go to events like this and I'm never with anybody who's deemed more bipartisan than me until today. Derek is ranked number 34 on the Luger Center uh, rankings of bipartisanship and I am number 40. So we'll have to go take out the six between us. I bet you also didn't know that 70% of the bills that we passed uh, in the last Congress that were signed into law were considered bipartisan. It's the highest level in 20 years. In today's environment, who would have thought that? Who would have thought that? And as somebody who just not only wants to talk about bipartisanship, but also, you know, exercise it. Derek and I are co-sponsors of many pieces of legislation in the past Congress, and then also uh, just this Congress, uh, my employer participation in Student Loan Assistance Act. Uh, Scott Peters and I are leading the charge again. Derek is a co-sponsor of it. I've also taken the lead on the Social Security Fairness, where we hope to get uh, because of the rule changes, some opportunity to put that on the floor this year if we get enough, if we get enough signatures. But I'm really honored to be able to serve under him on the Select Committee on Modernization. This one will be a lot more fun than Benghazi and some of the others, right? As a former, were you a former staffer? No? Just a protester? <laughs> Schools advocate. <laughs> we passed a referendum for my kids in the public school last year. I saw the results. Uh, were you wearing a Raiders hat? Husky. 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 I'm a Raiders fan. He's going to respect you even more. <laughs> so it's great to have people like Derek, but don't think just because he and I are here, there aren't many others that got elected with us in 2012 and others since then before that don't want it, that don't have the same values and the same goals. Uh, but we've seen, and I can tell you, I personally witnessed the end result of incivility. And I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, I don't want anybody to have to see what polarization brings when somebody decides to, to take matters of politics into their own hands. We've got to hopefully spread a message of how we as Republicans and Democrats actually like each other. We can debate the issues at hand, which is what our, our country was founded upon. But in the end, you got to come up with that principal compromise. And we're going to see in the next probably five to six hours if a principal compromise is going to help us avoid another partial shutdown. As a Republican, it's very frustrating to me to see many in, on our side uh, judge how they're going to react to a piece of legislation based upon watching Sean Hannity or you know, reading Ann Coulter's tweets. That's not the Republican Party that I know out here in Washington, D.C. 
And it's also not the Democratic Party that Derek knows, I'm sure, that goes on the far left. Um, we want to get more folks that are willing to work together. It's unfortunate, though, that the far ends of each political spectrum get most of the attention in the media. And it makes the American people think that's all who we are. So hopefully today is a good first step in, in moving this debate forward. I'm glad to be here with Derek. And thanks for having me, buddy. And I really, really wish that would have been a Raiders hat. <laughs> And, and Jim and um, Matt, I forgive you uh, for the introduction. Happy Lincoln's birthday, everybody. I don't. <laughs> so uh, I, before I say anything else, let me just uh, express gratitude to you putting me up here with Rodney, uh, who I consider a great colleague and a, and a great friend. Um, I have a lot of admiration for his willingness to work across the aisle. Oftentimes, that's a scary proposition given today's politics. It can be a not particularly safe place to sit, and uh, being willing to work across the aisle, I think, is something that folks here need to um, be more open to. I thought maybe I'd just quickly run through five things that uh, give me hope. Uh, I used to say I was an optimistic person, um, and then I read a quote from a rabbi that said that uh, optimism is the belief that things will get better, and hope is the belief that together we can make things better. And I kind of like that. I, I stopped calling myself optimistic and started calling myself hopeful. But one of the things that makes me hopeful is the Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress, in part because every two or three decades, Congress decides to take a little self-evaluation and say, what's working and what's not working, and how do we make this place function better? And uh, I think that's healthy. That's a healthy exercise, frankly, for uh, any organization. I would argue you should do it far more uh, frequently than every two or three decades. But uh, the last time this happened was back in 1993. And the committee's uh, tasked with looking at, I think, some things that are pretty important in terms of trying to get uh, the activity that happens in the large marble building not too far from here to be a bit more functional. So that gives me hope. Uh, second, uh, not mentioned, I now chair the New Democrat Coalition, which is a group of uh, now 101 uh, members. Uh, that's a group that gives me hope. I, in fact, I've been a little bit um, uh, publicly uh, grumpy about the notion, um, uh, since you mentioned the, the Raiders, which have moved around a lot. I've been uh, grumpy at Howard Schultz for stealing the Seattle Supersonics from my city. <laughs> but um, I've been... Uh, somewhat expressive about the fact that the notion that you can't be uh, fiscally responsible, uh, supportive of private sector job growth, uh, willing to work across the aisle, and a Democrat, I think is something that uh, more Democrats need to speak out and say you can do those things, you can be those things, and in fact we have a coalition now of 101 members in the New Democrat Coalition who I think aspire to that. Um, we call ourselves the New Dems because it's a group that's trying to look at old problems through a new lens uh, when it comes to economic policy, um, not simply uh, focusing on uh, traditional sort of redistributive conversations, but trying to figure out how do you create more economic opportunity for more people in more places. Uh, we've tried to lead some forward uh, thinking on everything from infrastructure to the future of work to all sorts of other issues that matter to folks here in this room and around the country. So that gives me hope. Uh, three, um, I'm missing this morning a, a, a meeting of a group uh, that I've met here 
uh, about in the past, and that's the bipartisan working group. That's a group of a dozen Democrats and a dozen Republicans who meet every week for breakfast. And it's a meeting sort of in three parts. We spend the first part of the meeting, everybody goes around the room, and if they're working on something where they want to invite collaboration or co-sponsorship, they're given that opportunity. Second part of the meeting, we talk about what's going on in Congress that week. And those can be feisty conversations if you're talking about uh, <coughs> taxes or healthcare or immigration. People can have sharp elbows, but I'm increasingly of the belief that good democracy is a little bit like a good marriage, right? You don't necessarily agree on everything, but you got to be able to talk to each other and listen to each other and not impugn one another's motives. And... My marriage is not a democracy. Yeah. <laughs> dictatorship? Dictatorship? Yes. Uh, so, and then the third part of the meeting, we talk about a big, hairy issue facing the country and how we might be able to find some common ground. And uh, that gives me hope. And, you know, listen, I don't want to mislead you into thinking we're sitting around the room holding hands and singing kumbaya or you know closing our eyes and doing trust falls into each other's arms <laughs> we stopped doing that after we uh, dropped mark amaday uh, uh, it is sort of the hour of each week where i find myself thinking we got to do more of that in this place fourth um fourth thing uh that gives me hope um, you've started to see, and you may have participated in one already, I've now participated in two. Um, over the last year, uh, there's been an effort to do what they're calling civility exchanges, where you have a member, a Democratic member go to a Republican district and a Republican go to a Democrat's district. Uh, I did this with Dan Newhouse from uh, the eastern part of my state, and uh, also with Steve Womack came to my area, and I'm going to Arkansas in March. I think part of the way as a country we get a better understanding of where people are coming from is to actually understand where people are coming from. Um, to actually have a little bit more insight into how, uh, how people's uh, communities impact how they think about things. It's definitely influenced uh, how I uh, view the world. Uh, and I think we have to do more of that, not just as a Congress, but as a country. Um, final thing that gives me hope is the phrase agreement in principle. Uh, with the hope that we don't have another government shutdown. I, I came out of the uh, business community. I worked in economic development professionally, and then before that worked for McKinsey and Company. You would never see a successful business uh, when having a, a management disagreement just um, shut down and not pay the employees. And to me, it's completely bonkers that in the greatest country on the planet that that's even contemplated. So I really hope that this is something that uh, gets worked out and hope here in the next few days. So that's what I got. Those are five things that give me hope. Great. You want me to take just two minutes on what we're yeah. tasked yes, with? Yes, So the, the select committee was, was tasked with, other than having to um, manage Rodney, uh, was, we, were, we were tasked with some specific things that we're supposed to look at. Uh, among them are, are, are the rules, looking at how uh, modern Congress ought to uh, <coughs> function in a way that provides for more transparency, ideally more bipartisanship. Uh, schedule and calendar are one of the things we're tasked with looking at. That's op uh, often a debate. Actually, the last select committee back in the 90s dealt with that issue too. How long should we be here when we're here? What should be the mix of floor time, committee time, those sorts of uh, things. Uh, three, uh, leadership development is one of the things we're asked to look at in uh, uh, um, in essence, sort of building the bench. Um, four, and this is probably the meatiest subject, is technology. 
Uh, and that goes everything from <coughs> cybersecurity to uh, how do we, how does, uh, as an institution, how does Congress uh, adopt new innovations? How do we use innovation to uh, be more impactful, to share ideas internally, to communicate with our constituents? Uh, my colleague from uh, Washington State, Kathy McMorris-Rogers, had a great line where she said, Congress is a 19th century institution using 20th century technology to solve 21st century problems. I think that's pretty right. Uh, and that's uh, one of the things we're tasked uh, with looking at. The recruitment, retention, and diversity of staff is one of the things we're asked to look at. Uh, I think in uh, as you've seen um, staff capacity erode, the, the, there is not a single position on the uh, in an official member office or on a committee. There is not a single position in the United States House of Representatives with a median tenure of longer than four years. <coughs> So it just means you've seen just tremendous turnover. Uh, and um, I think that erodes authority to both the executive branch and uh, uh, to external stakeholders when there's not enough internal capacity. So that's something we're asked to look at. And then some pretty nitty gritty stuff like franking and you know uh, how, how in a world where we have uh, more social media and things like that. How do the franking rules, are they kind of keeping up? And that's something that Rodney, when he was chair last year, I know worked on. Um, but that's something that we're tasked with uh, uh, taking a look at as well. Well, in addition, I'm excited because also being the ranking member on House Administration, many of these issues that we are going to discuss on this select committee are issues that we face every day with questions from members. Look, I. Kathy McMorris Rogers has led the charge to allow us as members, and how many former staffers we got? Okay, you guys know the, the CMS systems. You either have Fireside or you have uh, is it CQ, IQ, Corn. So it used to be called Cap Letters, right? I was a 16-year staffer working on, with that issue. So you have two. We just have a just now approved pilot program for a third. They would institute more of today's technology. But that was a huge process. So I, I'm excited that our committee can address it at the 30,000 foot level to change the aspects of what we deal with every day on the committee. Office of Finance, CAO, right? It's supposed to be kind of a buffer zone for members in their offices not to do stupid stuff, okay? Oh, all you gotta do is look through some, some recent ethics charges and members still do stupid stuff. How do we have an organization that was supposed to professionalize a house in the 90s, and Betsy was here with Chris Shays and helping to lead the charge and in making sure these good policies were implemented, but how do we make sure that they're doing their job and they're part of that professionalization of Congress? I used to do the vouchers for 16 years, and I can tell you there's not much difference in submitting payments today versus 16 years ago with the technological boom that we've had in our country, so we've got to do a better job. Telecommunications shouldn't be that difficult. Internet access in district offices and interoperability should not be as difficult as it is. So these are the nitty gritty issues that Derek and I are going to get into that aren't going to excite anybody and never get in the media, but we need your help once they come out because we will have a very thoughtful approach to fix it. 